everybody, welcome back to another episode of Storm King's Teddy Session 24. Kat, how you doing? Doing well, how are you? All right. Uh, busy week, um, kind of beginning of the year stuff going on at work. How about you? Yeah, I can understand that. Uh, finishing up end of year stuff and then, you know, New Year's, so everyone gets their budgets renewed and place a lot of orders for us. Yep. Um and uh, in my job, it's more or less closing out all the end of year stuff from last year and getting set for all the annual training and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, good times. But uh, it's a living. Uh, it lets me play my hobbies, right? So, um, session 24. Uh, we were busy. Um so first found out that uh, one of our players, Biscuit, was um, um, she was in a um, time zone uh, one-off from the DM, and I guess the uh, time difference was uh, killing. And I get that because I think I am in the same time zone that she is, and so things were things end for me at ten o'clock. So, um, if I worked Mondays, it would be pretty rough on me. Um, you get out at nine though. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not too crazy. Yeah. But, um, anyway, um, so the way that, uh, Teddy wrote the character out of the campaign, or at least, uh, to, uh, put them kind of on the shelf, uh, was that, uh, Prue returned with the Goliaths that we met in session 23. And um, so was going back to uh, Stormreach and going to just kind of hang out in the background. That way, if Biscuit ever decided she wanted to play again, the character would be there. So uh, that was, I think, a good way to go about it. Yeah. Okay. I mean- yeah, go ahead. Everyone has like a conflicting schedule, and you know, it, it's it's pretty late at night. So, and on a Sunday after or Sunday night. So, yeah, if you got Monday work and everything, it's it can wear down on you. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, so, um, and I've a, for. Um, scheduling things like D and D it's like herding cats. Uh, they're, they're just, uh, it's, it's a miracle when everybody's able to actually get together and play. So, um, we have another fifth edition game and, uh, we only play every other Sunday, every other Sunday morning. And I will bet in how many times you, <clears throat> sorry, how many times do you think we played last year? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I'm not keeping a running count, but like twenty times, maybe. You think we only missed four sessions? Yeah. I would buy that. I, I'm not keeping a count either. I, I would have said closer to six, but, um, but each time that we missed, it was a month between games because we're only playing, yeah. you know, every other. So. Uh, yeah, definitely get the schedule conflicts. So, like I said, it was a busy session. Um, 
I know you were pretty tired going into this one. Uh, I'll start out, just throw in things as you, um, as you want to chime in. We started out at that monastery speaking to the, um, uh, the sage who was a dragon. And during our visit, the monastery was attacked by six stone giants and, uh, they were climbing up from the bot, actually not climbing up somehow or another, they were putting their limbs into the mountain and then just rising up. Any idea how that was going on? Honestly, um, until you dispelled magic, I totally missed the fact that they were using magic to climb the the tower. Like uh, last session for me, I I had a big day and whatever, so I was kind of like I was there, but I kind of was in and out here and there. Uh, no, no one's fault but my own. So there is there's bits and pieces that are kind of foggy for me, and it was um, spoiler alert. This was kind of like last week. Um, since we're recording this session a little late. So a lot has happened in between then. So I don't really remember much of last session except maybe like combat, but like the in-between combat stuff, I'm just like, oh, what happened again? So we so did the, We did try to defend the monastery though. Yeah. And ever, since we were, uh, I don't know, the monastery was around 600 feet up and the, like the platform, the first platform that was solid was, um, about 500 feet up. So we had some running down, uh, ramps and stairs to do. And as we were coming down, the giants were hurling boulders at the, um, uh, what is it? Is it Arakakra? Is that the, is that the name of the, like the bird people? I think it is Arakakra. Aracocra. Yeah. Um, so the bird people, the, the, the monks, and they were getting slaughtered. I mean, just every time a boulder got hurled, another one fell. So, um, so we ran out, um, and, uh, Keelan tried to use buildings for cover, uh, and concealment as she was going down. There was times I could have moved just a little further and didn't because I didn't want to be in sight of the giants while they were uh, throwing the rocks, but I was trying to make my way down. And really, they needed to be you know, in melee range for you to do your big damage. But uh, as they were climbing, uh, and I realized that they were using magic instead of just physically climbing the mountain, I thought, my original thought wasn't necessarily to make them take fall damage, although that was a nice um, side benefit. My original thought was I didn't want them all to hit at once. So if I could make one or two of them slip or even fall, uh, it would benefit us once they made it up to melee range. So that was the whole idea. Um, but I got within 120 feet of one of the giants who was about, oh, 500 feet or so up, um, from the, from the valley floor, but not necessarily from where they started climbing. And I used dispel and I had to hit a 14, but I'm at plus four. So essentially it was a coin flip, whether it was going to work or not. And I rolled a 20. So, uh, hit 24 for my, uh, difficulty. And 
the it was like the mountain expelled the giant from it and the giant fell took about 60 points of fall damage so uh good damage and also uh a um slowed down you know not all of them were coming up at the same rate and that's when kind of everybody else started taking over um so the um the cloud giant women that were there with the uh, sage weren't getting involved they were staying neutral and uh, but the uh, the dragon once uh, he saw that his people were being killed got into the fight pretty quick um let's see so the one uh Arakakra that we kind of knew by name was ashara and when she went out she ended up casting call lightning and striking with that every round which was a big help um then lars when he got within range he used a fireball on two giants one of them saved uh neither of them uh fell or uh were killed by the fireball but I want to say they had around 110, 120 hit points. What do you think? Uh, It's, I I don't know. Everyone was kind of like taking out their big spells, you know, fireballs, gusts of wind, psychic glances, you know. And I'm sitting here going like, I got Eldritch Blast. I can do like 14 damage if I get max damage. Um, So I couldn't really get a good gauge on the things but that i would say probably like 150 max okay so you think it was a little bit higher yeah yeah it could have been um i just knew that um that they were taking kind of two really big hits um like uh, i guess i was gauging more off of the damage that harshnag was doing than anything that we did Seemed like it took him two rounds to drop one of the stone giants to almost dead. Like if a like if he would have gotten hit on the head with a rock after that, it would have just killed him because um, Harshnag had had four good solid hits on him. So if you're figuring thirty points per hit from Harshnag, that would have been one twenty, and then another. So yeah, maybe maybe it was closer to one fifty. Um, so anyway, there were six of these and Harshnag was, uh, engaged with one of them. The others were coming up the mountain. Um, so mask has been making good use of his pistol. Um, that thing seems to be a pretty deadly weapon in his hand. Um, going to miss Prue's rifle, but, um, still, uh, doing some good damage with that. Uh, the dragon, uh, Zartaxis, uh, he hit with a big breath weapon on three of the climbing giants. They all saved. And, um, with their, um, uh, not immunity, but resistances, they also, uh, ended up each only taking about 20 points of damage, less than 20 points of damage. Um, Portia was riding on the dragon's tail and did a gust of wind that caused one of the giants to fall right after it was hit with the breath weapon, and that dealt uh, 62 points of falling damage. So that was pretty good. Then um, 
let's see. Yeah, then the next thing I had in my notes was that Harshnag had um, uh, four attacks in those two rounds for over 100 points of damage. Uh, I didn't keep exact track, but... Um, and Lars Psychic Lanced, one of them, uh, caused, caused them to, uh, ruin their concentration and they fell for 60, 60 points of fall damage. Um, at that point, uh, Keelan had been inside of a, uh, one of the houses along the, the, um, staircase. She had cast her, um, spirit guardians cause I assumed the giants were going to get up into melee range. And then I went out and was using the dodge action. Um, Mask hit again with his pistol with steady aim. Uh, the dragon uh, did a seventy hit point claw claw bite that finished uh, one of the dragon or one of the giants. And um, that was um, almost all of the damage that needed to be done, except you had shot several. Uh, Eldritch Blasts, how many did you get through? Um, I believe my notes are correct. I think I did like, it was like five rounds, each two blasts, so I did ten in total. And I landed at least over half. Okay. Man, uh, yeah, that's pretty much every turn for me was just, oh, this target's in range, Eldritch Blast. This target's in range, Eldritch Blast. Because Eldritch Blast is like 120 feet, and these things are climbing up and like everything else is like 60 30 feet so i'm like sitting here going like yeah. well can't do that that's out of range can't do this this is out of range like i think the only other thing i did was um i did a shield of faith on ashara because teddy said that she was doing her call lightning but she to do that she like placed herself out in the open like very vulnerable to attacks and considering these were these giants were hurling rocks and just insta killing the Aarakocra, I'm sitting here going like, well, two AC isn't much, but you know, she's out in the open, it might help. Um, so I'm like, I mean, there's nothing else better for me to do. I mean, I can't I'm not in melee range, I can't smite. I mean, I I just I couldn't even like champion challenge or like duel anyone because everything is like 30 or 60 feet so i'm sitting here just going like i all i can do is just chip damage with eldritch blast which i'm very glad i have gone down the um warlock route and multi-classing because if i didn't have eldritch blast and i was like hurling javelins i mean ugh, javelins range is probably like 60 feet as well so I'm very glad I've picked up Eldritch Blast because I have certainly gotten my uses out of it. So that's an interesting that's an interesting conversation. Um, so uh, I don't know how Teddy would have done this, um, but I would if if it were my game and I was educating, I would have actually gave you. Um, basically unlimited range on your javelins because you were above throwing down. So it's not like they're going to run out of steam. Now, yes, I would have put you at a disadvantage to hit over a certain range. But I, I mean, if the, if you're throwing the javelin down, um, it's not going to run out of steam and, and, you know, run into the ground. I I wonder how Teddy would have run that. Um, 
I think he just kept it as um, rules as written because he, I believe, if I remember correctly, some of the era Crocker did have javelins and they were throwing javelins. Um, whether or not they were at disadvantage, I can't remember that, but I do remember the era Crocker were um, throwing javelins and oh. I think he kept yeah. it to whatever the range of a javelin is. Well, I, so he, they, they had disadvantage throwing the javelins. I know that for uh, several rounds. But, um, yeah, anyway, I, um, uh, it'd be like, uh, saying that, a you know, a sling bullet has a certain range, but you can drop a rock off of a mountain. Is it just going to keep dropping? Yeah. But yeah. So anyway, um, the, oh, um, um, Portia kept her, um, gust of wind spell going. And at one point after, um, the dragon killed one of the stone giants. It was in the, uh, it was in the range of her uh, gust of wind. And I, t- I tried to make the case that it would have blown uh, the giant right onto one of the other giants that was down on the ground or climbing. And um, it was funny because Teddy's like, nah, not going to do that. And then after a few minutes, he was like, yeah, okay, what the hell? <laughs> And he gave it a chance to work. I don't think it did, but it was it was funny that um, we at least got that opportunity. And honestly, this, um, other than the rocks being thrown at us, um, this battle was actually pretty easy for us. Um, I don't think anybody took any critical damage other than uh, the monks, which... Uh, admittedly those would have been rocks aimed at us if it hadn't been for them. Um, Keelan, there, was, there was a rock thrown at you specifically because you were standing next to mask and myself. Yes. Um, I don't remember what came of that. I didn't, did you lucky it to where it missed? So, um, I was dodging. So they, the first roll was uh crit. They, they crit hit me and I was like, Hey, uh, disadvantage. Oh yeah. Rolled again with at disadvantage and still hit. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, all lucky. And then it missed. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Cause I, I remember the rock being thrown at us, but I don't remember taking damage. So I'm like, he must've lucky did. Yeah. And yeah, I, I don't, um, oh, I think I'm going to, I'm going to mention this because it's a topic of damage. I don't think any of us really took any damage from rocks aside from Lars, who decided <laughs> it was a good idea to dive like 30 odd feet um, from like a railing or the, the walkway onto the dragon as our taxis is back below him. Yeah, that was actually pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, um, it was like a DC 25 acrobatics check. And Lars is just like, yep, can do that. No problem. I'll yeah. pass it. <laughs> um, I think he rolled really well, but it wasn't 25. Well, I think he rolled like a 20 or a 21 or something. Um, and yeah, he just took normal fall damage from that height. But I'm like, wow, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, it was. And it was pretty neat, though. Um, just... <laughs> I'm not in range, so I'm going to get myself in range and just swan dive down to the dragon. Um, so, 
once the fight was done, we went back to um, Zartaxis chamber and um, there was uh, dialogue there um, and the uh, dragon knew it was in uh, in the last stages of its life even before the fight. Um, after the fight, though, uh, basically used the last of its life force to bring all of the dead monks back to life and then died. Um, once that happened, we, uh, they, they all honored us for defending their home. And, um, so we also found out that, uh, stone giants are usually very spiritual. So, um, it was kind of a, oddity that they would be attacking this mountain. Um, and then let's see, it's, uh, Nerva and, uh, Jeral, right? The two women stone giants or, uh, cloud giants. Mm-hmm. Uh, they invited us to travel in their flying tower with them. So, uh, they said that they wouldn't just ferry us all over the place, but they were, it, we could pick one destination and they would take us there and drop us off. So we had a little bit of um, decision and making to do, but ultimately we just decided to have them drop us off at our destination um, south of the, in the mountains. And so they they pulled the um, our RV and uh, Richter scales and all of our mounts in. And took us in, and we started off, and it was going to be uh, several days worth of um, flying to get there. I, th- I thought the tower was actually pretty cool. Um, one of the uh, neat kind of fantastical magic items that has been inserted into the game. Yeah, and um, the fact that the the group um, and the party came to a decision that we would go to... Um, our objective, which was, it's the Blue Spine Peaks, right? I believe that's right, yep. Um, yeah, that we would go to the Eye of the Allfather at the Blue Spine Peaks and then work our way down to the little, the hole um, in the ground that are eating up Thrykeen because of a song. Um, I thought that was smarter to go to our destination first and then come back. Now, in terms of like, you know, things are going on even though we're not doing it like more thrykeen might die and get um corrupted by this hole in the process but you know it's hard to argue with climbing a mountain then climbing down a mountain then just dropping us on top of the mountain and then climbing down the mountain you know because it'll probably take us longer to climb the mountain than it will to, to descend a mountain oh yeah for sure uh, especially if Lars is involved, but, yeah. <laughs> but the, so this, this, you're absolutely right. Uh, we could be, uh, allowing more of the Thraking to die, uh, or be enslaved or whatever's going on, um, by going this way. But I think that'll only be the case if we are delayed somehow, um, where, you know, they're at the, uh, what is it? The eye of Odin or eye of all father or whatever it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because 
traveling by this tower is saving us loads of time. Yes. So we've kind of fast forwarded our movement versus, uh, so if, if everything was going to happen, you know, at a certain time, we might get there a little late if we're not delayed, but I don't think it's going to be, um, a huge gap of time unless we're somehow delayed at our destination. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Like it's easier to have a, a week trip in a flying castle to drop us off on top of a mountain than it is to take a month trip from where we are to the, the hole. Right. Exactly. Um, even. Yeah. So, I mean, so we, we just gained three weeks. So we were, um, in the, just in the time that it would have taken us to get to, like you said, if it was a month and we're taking a week long trip to get to our destination. Well, now we got three weeks to get back on time. Will we, I mean, even if we left there right away, we might get there a few days late just traveling back that far. But I think it's going to be fairly close, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. It might just be a wash in the end. So, um, anyway, then, um, let's see. Um, we heard a little bit while we were flying with the, um, cloud giants, we all kind of got to do our own thing. And, um, Keelan was interested in, uh, their library, looked through some books uh, found a cookbook that they had kind of all their favorite recipes in. So I copied that. Um, and then we were also, Oh, I forgot. We did get some loot from the giants. Um, let's see. Uh, one of the stone giants was carrying a, like a full on rocking chair. Um, really well crafted, but it was crafted out of uh, mushroom. Um, let me see. I, I can tell you what the loot was. Okay, go ahead. Um, Teddy had us all roll a d hundred. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with the expectations of like, no matter what you roll, it's just a random assortment of what stone giants would hide have on them. So try not to get your hopes up. Essentially, um, even though I crit a d one hundred. Uh, but Lars got a haunch of meat, which we assume is like dinosaur meat. That's what he got. You got the rocking chair made of mushrooms. Portia got a bag of dried mushrooms or um, and like big enough to wear uh, like a sun hat. Um, it was also later described that it was, it can be, it's sort of like a hallucinogen if ingested. Oh um, yeah, that's right. <clears throat> and um... I got a big old tombstone of a fallen warrior. It was a solid block of marble though. Yeah. Um, I might like to keep that to cook on. <laughs> um, well, you know, um, as a, as a soul, as Tabane as a soldier, I don't know if, um, because the, the, the tombstone said, Bren the bold warrior father, joke teller, you know, um, as a fellow soldier, I don't think she would want to, want you to cook off of a no, creature's I grave. But, and then it does bring the curiosity of like, maybe I can return this, but like, I have no idea where to even begin to look 
to return this. Yeah. Um, Especially in Zendred. Like, if it was a tombstone out of Stormreach, sure, that might be helpful, but it, it could be anywhere in Zendric where this tombstone is. So, I don't know. And Portia made, like, a 23 nature check and came up that those the mushrooms that she found, the hat, was... Um, or big enough, that mushroom that was big enough to be worn like a hat, it could be used in small doses, and it was called dream cap mushrooms. So she found peyote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and the mushroom that the rocking chair was made out of was called umberwood. Um, something that the I guess the drow used to uh, fashion furniture and tools and stuff with. Um, so anyway, we were, we were kind of, uh, relaxing, getting our long rest, all that sort of thing as we, um, flew towards our destination and we had a, a group show up that was riding vultures, giant vultures, and wanted to see one of the sisters or, uh, one of the, the cloud giants. And, um, I asked if they could be admitted and, um, basically they didn't want to see them. So I sent them away. thought that was going to be a fight. Um, but ended up not being at least not then. And then, um, what was a fight though was shortly after that, a silver dragon landed in front of the front door and had six dragonborn on its back. So every one of them drank a potion of gaseous form and just kind of broke into the tower. Um, Keelan once again had answered the door, so I was standing in the way. I had cast Spirit Guardians, um, and we only had uh, one round of combat, I think, before it was time. And so the dragon, a silver dragon came uh, kind of just bowling through um, automatically made it save because I guess that's its legendary power or um, it has a legendary resistance it can use three a day so it didn't take much from the spirit guardians um, but next round there there's two of the um, dragonborn that are within the spirit guardians so the following round they should take some damage so, uh, Keelan had a chance to take an attack of opportunity on the dragon as it went by, and I didn't. Um, so, it's a silver dragon. I mean, they're, I they're supposed to be good aligned. I know, that's, that, I, I kind of am the same way. I don't know much about dragons, but I do know silver dragons are tend to be, like, good or lawful or whatever. So when I saw a silver dragon roll up and I'm sitting here like, are we, we're, we're fighting? Oh, oh, we're fighting this thing. I'm, I'm kind of mixed on how I feel about it. Like I attacked the dragon. I smited it even. Um, and I don't know if that's just to be like, Hey, like just cause you're a silver dragon doesn't mean you can do whatever you want. But I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if we're to kill it. Or if we're to let it be, it seems like it's intent on, at least my impression 
is its intent on killing one of the cloud giants or I, I I really don't know. So the impression I got wasn't that it was here to kill one of the cloud giants. It was here after the orb that that steers the tower. Oh, right. Yes. I forgot the orb was mentioned. I mean, I don't know that that's the case, but that's kind of the, um, they mentioned the orb and, um, so yeah, don't know what's going to happen with that. We kind of need to get to where we're going and the, um, this could, you know, be an obstacle. So anyway, is there there any repercussions to killing a silver dragon or is it just you killed a silver dragon? Well, I mean, I, what do you mean repercussions? Like, I, I don't know. Like if you kill a silver dragon, you're cursed or something. Oh, uh, I mean, not that I know of, unless it gets around the dragon community that you did, or, you know, they might, um, put a hit out on you or something. But I, I, I don't think that just actually killing one is a, is going to get you cursed or something. If that's what you're suggesting. Well, cursed was like the only thing that came to mind. I, I, I just want to know of like. I mean, obviously, I I see that we'll get, like, a bad rep if we kill a silver dragon or something, but I don't know if there's anything else. We're just like, oh, like, you've killed a silver dragon, and the blood of the dragon melts your sword, and your armor now is broken. I don't know. Well, not that I know of, but I, I mean, like I said, I I can tell you that that wasn't the case in 2nd edition. No idea the, what dragons get now in 5th. Um, oh, uh, so one other thing that we found out was that there was a, um, that the Dalkir, uh, they're the ones that inflict like, uh, psionic damage and, um, different Dalkir are, um, different as far as their, their, what they're weak to. Um, but... Um, most of them function as a hive mind. And the interesting thing that we found out was that, um, they have a rare dense metal with a purple sheen, uh, and it's particularly effective. Um, there is this metal and it's very effective against the Delkir. Um, and it's, um, this is a uh, dro, and they export it, and it's called Biashk, is how I heard it pronounced. Mm-hmm. So it's like a low-grade uh, adamantium, um, and uh, so it's very hard, dense, and more rare. Um, but it does hold an edge exceptionally well. It's very difficult to destroy, and. Um, I asked the question if Smiter of Nightmares was made of that, and it is. So your sword is made out of this low-grade adamantine. Which is cool. Yeah. I and think answer that question, or ask that question. It, it actually, uh, they said that uh, this metal will work on, uh, will work on Colseer like cold iron works on a fey. Um, so 
I thought that was kind of cool. And you picked that up. What, were we level two? When you found that? Oh, yes. Um, I don't know if we were level two or level one. Um, honestly, I think we found it in the first dungeon. No. No. What? It, it was the first dungeon. I just didn't know if we had leveled by then. No, I think we leveled after. Yeah, that's probably right. So, yeah, found it very early on anyway. Yeah. Pretty spicy. So, um, any other, um, oh, um, I guess the only other thing that I kind of remember was Portia setting up her, uh, portable shop in the tower and working on some, uh, artificer things. Um, don't remember what she was working on. Do you? I don't think she said what she was working on. Okay, well, um, anything else that you want to cover? Um, not that I know of. All right, well, do you have your Eldritch Blast report? I didn't tell the dead, so. Yep, um, Eldritch Blast did ten times. Landed six of four. Sixty percent. That makes, yep, that makes it uh, twenty-one hits and ten misses total. Uh, it brought down my average uh, from seventy-one to sixty-seven. Sixty-seven. Well, that's still two-thirds yep. of the time. If you had a batting average like that, you could make millions in the majors. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but again, it's AC. Depending on who who it's gonna hit is gonna pretty much be a guaranteed hit or miss you know those giants got a or those stone giants had a pretty decent ac yeah they did um very difficult to hit i didn't have to deal with that too much because i was mostly just using magic but um still uh it didn't seem like um mask was having any trouble with that pistol no it's um you know Every time I see him play as a rogue, it just makes me want to play my rogue more. <laughs> well, you get that chance tomorrow. Yeah. Um, okay, well, um, that's really all I can think of, unless you've got something else. I got nothing, bud. All right, well, uh, thanks for carving out the time to do this. Sorry it took so long to get it out this time, and... We'll uh, we'll try to make it a, a little bit tighter next week when uh, things have calmed down a little. So, yeah, things should things should be back to normal by next week, you know. So. Yeah. All right, man. Well, take care of yourself, and we will see you for a couple of games tomorrow. Yep. Bye. All right. Talk to you later. <laughs>